Welcome to Victory Christian Center's audio podcast. We hope this message encourages you, and we look forward to connecting with you on social media or FCCFMD.com. We are so thankful that you are here with us this morning. Can you hear me? You still hear me? Okay. All right. We're so thankful that you are here with us today. I know it's a little bit chilly. But I'm praying. We prayed off the rain this week. There was like a 10% chance, a 20% chance, an 80% chance, and then it kind of worked its way back down. So I'm thankful that there's no rain. So I didn't pray against the wind and I didn't pray against the clouds. I prayed against the rain. So I apologize for that. But we're here and we're dry. So thank the Lord for that this morning. You know, our, our lives have kind of been turned upside down, haven't they, in the midst of everything that's going on. And there's this term that's kind of floating around in society right now called the new normal. Has anybody heard that lately? The new normal. And it's kind of like, okay, what does this mean? What is this new normal going to look like? And so this morning, I want to take just a few minutes and talk to you about the building block for the new normal and what I think we need to use as the building block for that. So if you have a Bible this morning or you have it on a device, you can open it, turn it on, or you can just listen along. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 today. We're going to read through the entirety of that chapter. There's just 13 verses. And here's what the Apostle Paul says. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1 said, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I've become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains, but do not have love, then I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, if I surrender my body to be burned, but don't have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It doesn't take into account a wrong that's been suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child and think like a child and reason like a child. But when I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly and then we'll see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known. But now faith, hope, and love abide these three. But the greatest of these is what? Love. The greatest of these is love. I want to give you a little bit of background information on 1 Corinthians 13. We know that the Apostle Paul is the author of 1 and 2 Corinthians. He first visited the city of Corinth during his second missionary journey there. And he approached the city we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 in weakness, with fear, and much trembling. 
That's how he approached the city of Corinth, in weakness, in fear, and with much trembling. Scholars tell us that Corinth was a city with a very large population. They estimate up to around 600,000 people lived in this city of Corinth had a very diverse population. It had peoples from all different nationalities, all different nations were there. And due to its location, there were large numbers of sailors and merchants that took up residence there as well. Leon Morris described the city of Corinth as intellectually alert, materially prosperous, and morally corrupt. Intellectually alert, materially prosperous, and morally corrupt. Does it sound familiar? Paul was very close with the church in Corinth. He was one of the ones who helped establish that church there. And so he was writing to them to address some specific needs and some specific problems within the church and within the community. And some scholars believe that if Romans reveals that Paul was a theologian, then Corinthians reveals him as an administrator because he offers solutions to all these problems that they were facing. Now, usually when we hear 1 Corinthians 13 read, it's at a wedding, right? We usually hear that portion of scripture read at a wedding and very rightfully so. It's a very meaningful passage about love and the love that's shared between a husband and wife. But 1 Corinthians 13 has to do with so much more than just a marriage. And I believe that this is where we find the building block for our new normal. So I want to back up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 just for a moment to see why I believe this is the building block for this new normal that we're facing. In chapter 12, Paul addresses spiritual gifts. He addresses the church as one body working together. He addresses the fivefold ministry and he concludes chapter 12 with this. In verse 29, here's what he says. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. And listen to what he says in the final verse of that chapter. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. Look at the person beside you and say the best life. The best life. Life. He concludes this chapter, all of the spiritual gifts, the church working together, the fivefold ministry, and he concludes the chapter saying, these are wonderful, but now I'm going to show you the best life. And he leads into chapter 13, which is all about love. Let me show you a way of life that is best of all. You see, whenever a foundation is laid in a, in a masonry foundation, the first stone that is laid is what? the cornerstone. It's that stone that you build off of. It's the first stone that's set. And scripture tells us that Jesus is the stone that the builders rejected, but he has become the chief cornerstone. And friends, as our society begins reopening, and as we begin rebuilding this new phase of our lives, it's going to be different because life as we knew it will never be the same again. It just won't. I went in yesterday to get a haircut. I had to call before I was allowed to come to the door. So they told me it was all clear. I could come to the door. I got to the door. And before I could go in, I had to make sure I had my mask on. They took my temperature and she said, okay, now you're clear. So I came in through the door and I had to read through a waiver and sign that I haven't been exposed to the virus. I'm not waiting on test results. I'm not sick. I haven't traveled outside of the country in the past six months. 
signed my waiver, and then I had to sit all by myself, isolated until my chair had been sanitized till I could go and sit down and actually, you know, do what I came there for. And friends, society is so different now. We, we never would have dreamed that we would have to do the things that we're doing today just for basic needs, just to go to the grocery store, just to, you know, whatever it is that you have to take care of. Everything is looking different and it will never be the same. Normal, by definition, is the usual, the average, something that is typical. It's a state or a condition. It's conforming to a standard. But to say a new normal demands change. It requires change. And if you and I use love as the building block for a new normal, then our foundation will be that much stronger. If we make love the building block for a new normal, our foundation will be that much stronger. Paul says these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. That word greatest in the Greek, it also means stronger. So in essence, Paul's saying faith, hope, and love are going to remain, but love is the strongest of the three. Some of us walk around and I think we know what to say and we know how to say it. And it, it sounds spiritual and it sounds good, but in the eyes of God, it's like that clanging symbol. I was going to bring a symbol out here and a bang for you this morning, but I thought the neighbors might get upset with me. So I left it aside. It might be a little too annoying. But in the ears of God, that's what it sounds like, a clanging symbol. If our heart isn't right, if our motives aren't right, I think one of the most uh, overused phrases sometimes is when someone shares with us something that's going on in their lives. And our first reaction as Christians is to say what? I'll pray for you, right? But then we walk away and we forget and we never utter a prayer to the Lord to help that person that's just shared their heart with us. We might have good intentions, but we forget. And so the best thing for us to do in that moment is to pray for them on the spot. But when love isn't our reaction and we respond just out of necessity, it sounds like that clanging symbol. And I think that that's what God hears when our motives aren't right. Paul says, I can speak with the tongues of men and of angels. In other words, our words can sound eloquent. They can sound as sweet as honey. But if they are not grounded and rooted in love, then they're an empty sounding clanging of a symbol. Without lives, Paul tells us, without love, our lives are nothing. And even if we give all that we have to help others, but it's not done in love, then it profits us nothing. We gain nothing. I like how the New Living Translation translates verse 7. It says, love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. See, as we move forward into this new phase of our lives, into that new normal, love has to be the catalyst. If you stop and you think this morning about providing for your family, why do you provide for your family? Out of responsibility? Yes, but because you love them, because you want to take care of them. Mother Teresa said, and I, and I love that, I think it's a profound statement. She said, what can you do to promote world peace? Go home and love your family. What can you do to promote world peace? Go home and love on your family. You give your best effort at work. Why? 
because you love your company. You do it out of obligation. You do it out of responsibility, but you also love getting that paycheck, don't you? We do things because we have love in our hearts. We help our brothers and sisters when they're in need. Why? Because we love them. We help maintain our church. Why? Because we love the Lord. We care about his house. D.L. Moody said this. He said, if we have got the true love of God shed abroad in our hearts, we will show it in our lives. We will not have to go up and down the earth proclaiming it. We will show it in everything we say or do. David Wilkerson similarly said it this way. He said, love is not only something you feel, it is something that you do. And friends, love has to be the building block for our new normal. Why? Because it is the way of life, Paul says, that is best of all. The way of life that is best of all. And here's the thing, guys. I don't have to tell you this this morning. You already know it. We live in a broken world, don't we? We live in a broken and hurting world. And as long as we're on this earth until Jesus returns, we're going to see injustice. We're going to see lawlessness. We will always have the poor among us, Jesus said. Brother will turn against brother. Nation will rise against nation. There will be wars and rumors of wars. But here's what Jesus said in John 16, 33. In this world, you will have trouble. But he says what? Take heart because I have overcome the world. All the problems, all the issues, everything the world is going through right now. Jesus said, take heart because I've overcome it. I have overcome the world. That word in the Greek Trouble means a pressing together, means affliction. Jesus said, you're going to have many of those, but I have overcome. There will always be trouble on this side of heaven. We live in a fallen world, a world whose love has grown cold in the midst of this generation. May you and I, may this church be the example. May we lead by example. That our love, the love of God, would be the catalyst, would be the springboard, would be the building block for our foundation. And that the foundation of who we are and what we do would stem from that agape love, the unconditional love which comes from Christ Jesus. In his book, The God-Shaped Brain, Timothy Jennings said this. He recorded that a recent brain research that was conducted by Dr. Newberg at the University of Pennsylvania had documented that all forms of contemplative meditation were associated with positive brain changes. But he said the greatest improvements occurred when participants meditated specifically on a God of love, capital G, God of love. He said such meditation was associated with growth in the prefrontal cortex, so that's that front part of the brain just behind your forehead. It's the place where you reason, you make judgments, and you experience God-like love. And he said it subsequently increased capacity for empathy, sympathy, and compassion. But he goes on to say that the most astonishing part was that not only does other-centered love increase when we worship God, but sharp thinking and memory improve as well. So in other words, worshiping God actually stimulates the brain to heal and grow. Isn't that amazing? When we love and we, and we worship a God of love, it stimulates our brain to heal and to grow. And friends, let that be our building block for this new normal. Let love be the catalyst that pushes us forward to be successful in our ever-changing world. 
that that would be what we stand on, that it would be our foundation. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we thank you so much for bringing us here this morning. And Lord, we thank you for the freedoms that we have in our country that allow us to do so. Father, we thank you for your word in 1 Corinthians this morning. That love is the strongest, that it will endure forever. And God, as we move forward into the unknown, as we move forward in ever-changing times and uncertainties, let love be the building block, let it be the catalyst, let it be the foundation that we build this new normal on. That, Lord, we would stay grounded and rooted in your love, which is the greatest of all. Father, I thank you for all of our friends and family that are here with us this morning. God, I thank you for your faithfulness to protect them during this time. Lord, this morning we pray for our country, pray for our nation. We pray for leaders all over our nation. Father, from the local level to the state level and to the federal level, God, I pray that you give them wisdom. That, Lord, the decisions that are made would be decisions that are made with wisdom from on high. God, I pray for our city today. I thank you, Lord, that your hand has been upon it. And I pray, God, that you would use us to be a light in the darkness. Father, we thank you that you're faithful to make a way where there seems to be no way. We thank you, God, that you've allowed us to gather together this morning. God, I pray that this word would take root in our heart and that as we leave here, our hearts would be forever changed. Because when we love and when we operate with a mindset of your love, God, we think different. We speak different. We see things differently. And so, Father, I pray this morning that we would see the world through your eyes and that you would give us the wisdom to act accordingly. Lord, we love you. We give you thanks this morning for who you are, for all you've done, and God, for all that you've yet to do. Father, I pray your blessing and your favor upon all those that are here today and all of those that are watching. Would you go before us this week? We thank you and we praise you for who you are, and we ask this in the most precious name of your son, Jesus, and God's people said, amen, amen. And amen. Friends, I know it's been chilly, but I want to thank you for coming out this morning. I don't want to keep you any longer. I don't want you getting sick on me. But next Sunday, we're going to be meeting together at 1030. We will be in the building next Sunday, so it will not be this chilly. But we'll be in the building celebrating Father's Day, if you can believe it or not. That's here next Sunday. So I want to make sure you're here for that. And just excited to be back in the building and worshiping with you. Ladies, if you didn't get a chance to pick one up on the way out, our shipment had been delayed for several weeks for your Mother's Day gift. So that is down on the table. And we apologize for the delay there. There's also core discipleship books. For those of you participating in our core discipleship class, you can pick one of those up and follow along until we reconvene that class. There's a bucket uh, there for your tithes and offerings. If you want to give on the way out, you can grab a bottle of water as well. And if you're able to, we need some help taking down our tents and folding up chairs, just carrying them back in the fellowship hall. So if you're able to stay and help do that, it would be appreciated. If not, we certainly understand, but want to thank you for joining us. Stay well, stay safe, and I look forward to seeing you guys next Sunday. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Victor Christian Center's audio podcast. We look forward to connecting with you on our social media 
or at FCCFMD.com.